For about a year and a half, I spent my time living in one of the barren upper eight states I had heard about but always thought, I'll never end up there. I feel like there's nothing up there but horses and people with guns. No way I'll end up there. Well, guess what? I ended up there. In order to properly contextualize this place, you have to break it up into a few different parts. We have to talk about why you're living there, the people and why you'd leave. Part of me wants to dig into my disgust of Montana's existence, but I feel that to be a little harsh for this forum. Still another wants to celebrate the existence of such a place. I'll attempt both. Let's talk about the environment. My expectations of this place were pretty spare. If you've never been there, go ahead and imagine what you think Montana looks like. I'll give you a second or two. That's enough. Is it majestic mountains, long windswept plains, like hardcore America on top of America looking stuff that brings to you thoughts of apple pie and hot dogs and monster trucks? Well, we'll get to that. My thoughts on this place before I stepped my warm ass off that plane and onto the cold tarmac were pretty barren. I had looked the place up before I came up there, but there wasn't really a whole lot. Wikipedia, you get population, the history, the context, why the hell it's a state. Check the state site, not a whole lot. I got the feeling if I had asked someone to describe something to me that's endemic to the state, I think they'd just say hunting and fishing, and trees, and flat land. You don't get a whole lot of information on Montana outside of Montana. Here's what I'm saying. In order to get a proper understanding of a poorly understood place, you have to go there and get dirty in it. You won't know what's at the top of a mountain unless you climb it, of which Montana has many. First off, Montana is cold. If there's one specific feeling I associate with the whole state, the entire experience, it's the abject cold and I mean that in more ways than one. I say this as a native of a place that experiences two seasons, both of them warm. The coldest temperature ever recorded in the contiguous United States happened in Montana. The most extreme temperature shift from cold to warm occurred in this state. In my entire time there, the number of days I can remember where the temperature was above 35 degrees can probably be counted in the small dozens. The cold is different. It's not your typical bro cold that comes in for a single season. You get used to it and then it disappears. It's the kind of cold that stays, for the better part of the year. I had more days with snow than hot meals, I've counted. I stepped off the plane at Great Falls International to sub-zero temperatures after spending six months in Texas following a record hot summer. I was wearing a uniform designed and manufactured by the lowest bidder. I didn't have a jacket. I was so cold I could barely speak. And that's what set the tone for my entire time there, that's why I sound slightly bitter. The cold is debilitating. It makes things stop working. For you kids from warm places, imagine going to work in two foot deep snow by foot because your car won't start. Even if it did start, there's no way in hell the roads are clear enough to drive on, let alone safe enough. For the most part, living in Montana was the first time I had ever actually felt legitimate fear from just existing. To set the stage, I already said the environment to deal with, which was, without proper preparation, extremely hazardous. Next, I was dealing with the people who had spent the majority of their lives removed from major metropolitan cities and therefore anything resembling progressive thought. I was a black kid from South Central dropped in the center of a flagrantly racist, hyper-libertarian, wildly conservative state with little to no preparation or equipment. I won't spend a super long time talking about the whole racism thing, I mean, you get it. At least I hope you get it. I mean, you go to a Denny's and you're served last. The hospitality is creepy and overly curious. People want to touch your hair and ask what kind of music you listen to. People don't ask what you're into and what you do, they ask why you're here. And by why you're here, I mean why you're here. There are whole areas I was advised to stay away from because bad things happen there if you aren't white and that's just the way it is. The people stick to their land and they let you know they have pride in their land. They wave their confederate flags despite being thousands of miles from southern lines. Homes are generational, as are occupations. Your waitress at Denny's has two daughters that work at that exact same Denny's. Things are passed down here from skills to homes to ideologies and the beliefs in big sky country run extra deep. 
I think to properly assess Montana is to think back on all of my experiences in the towns it has. We could talk Helena, the capital, but I only remember it briefly. I had some hot chocolate there that blew my mind, but if you blink while driving through town, you'll miss it. Helena is the smallest state capital I've ever visited. Discussing Billings isn't worth my time here. All of the large cities start to blend together after a while. I think they have a very tall building. And to get there, you have to drive through a half dozen or so burnt out towns that wouldn't be out of place in a 70s exploitation film. Whitefish is the getaway for American oligarchs, Canadians with too much money, and college kids who couldn't get bookings in Aspen. And Great Falls is, I'd like to think, the world's largest truck stop. There are two distinct towns that will never leave the purchase at the back of my mind, mostly because they dispelled my hatred of this new place I had to live in. Let's talk about Butte. Butte was ostensibly a mining town for much of its history. Butte, in a way, showed the inevitable future of corporate greed and public mismanagement that we as Americans refuse to learn from. The mining company comes to town, the mining company mines everything and works the backs of every able-bodied man in the locale. For the time, everything is good, money is pouring in, people have jobs. To support the booming economy, new businesses set up shop, a new hospital is built. Banks are giving out loans for anything and everything. Butte was at one point one of the largest mining operations in the United States, it was number three. To this day, it has the largest number of Irish Americans in the United States drawn from immigrants brought over to work the mines. As the copper mines slowed, the environment got worse. If you've ever heard of the Berkeley Pit, look it up, you know that this is exactly what led to it. The Anaconda Copper Mining Company drove the plow hard and the effects are noticeable even today. Butte was the site of numerous socialist and labor movements, as are many former mining towns in the West. And the love of the Irish culture is highly apparent on St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day in Butte, Montana is crazy. Butte is the kind of town that Americans idolize but don't care about. It's the kind of place we romanticize but are happy to never visit and allow it to exist in its high plains purgatory far away from us. We don't know what the people sound like, what their hopes and desires are, nor do we know how good that Chinese place above the laundromat on that one corner of that street is. I will say this for all the hipsters out there. The dim sum in Butte is some top-notch munchin. You will not find better in the United States. This is not hyperbole nor is it a topic of debate. It ends here. Butte was the first time I had come across things we see commonly other places but are abandoned here. Malls that are open but completely empty. A Herbergers, the local department store where entire floors are empty yet the store remains open. Boarded up businesses on major thoroughfares, buildings that burnt down in the 80s that are still burnt down in the current decade. I think I saw one cop the entire time I was there and he didn't look too happy. Here's one thing I note about Butte. While traveling around Montana, you expect pretty much everyone to be the same, you go by stereotypes. The same backwoods hillbilly asshole that speaks in a southern accent and hates brown people and owns more guns than he could possibly shoot at one time. But if anything, Butte is closer to what we'd think of Flint, Michigan, or any other working class town in the Midwest. A place neglected and treated unfairly, complete with the long poison water from the mine runoff, dumping arsenic and copper slurry into the water supply. You get the feeling that the people of Butte are fighting from home. They felt actual pain. They've worked for literally everything you see them holding. Nothing is handed out there and everything is earned. I felt more comfortable in my days there than I've ever felt anyplace else in the whole state. There was an odd sense that people there understood a common struggle that many were fortunate to not live. That of a town forgotten to the public consciousness and fighting like hell to move forward. Butte, I guess, is the existentialist part of Montana having long shed the romanticism of the West and embracing the meaning and the suffering. As I was searching for meaning in my pain Montana existence, I found thousands doing the exact same thing. Whereas I was asking what ancient god I failed to appease that got me sent here, they were working to make it a better place any way they could with what little they had. I wondered if any Butte natives had ever read Kierkegaard. While living in the permafrost hellscape that is Great Falls, I had heard tale of a way more liberal college town beyond the mountains, through the Helena National Forest and across the continental divide. 
Getting there by car was kind of dangerous by road as well as desolate. But here, there was the big theater, a mall with a Hollister and a Gap. We could buy clothes. There were bars to support the board college students, football games, and a damn Best Buy. This place was Missoula. The perfect little town nestled at the foothills that dissolve into the mountain. Yes, they have racists and militias, but by God, they have art galleries. And don't mention that college sex scandal they had that one year. This is a hellscape by a different name. It's a hellscape with rhinestone jeans and purple lipstick. Hold on. I feel like I've spent a long time bashing these cities in Montana. Montana itself and the people that live there, so let's pause a bit. There are plenty of reasons to want to stay in a place like that. For some, home is home. One of the things I regret is not taking the time to understand why, instead of focusing on why not, why would anyone want to live in a place so cold with so few opportunities? Why would someone follow in their parents' footsteps of working at Walmart and get pregnant at 16, dooming them to a life of intense mediocrity? I shouldn't have asked these things, as I shouldn't continue to ask them today. I should have been wondering what it was that keeps people here, what kind of gravity Montana must have. I came as an outsider and was never able to fully adjust, and I took my opportunity to leave the second I could, but even now, as I sit and talk about this place, like it's some kind of abomination from outside of the galaxy, a figure to be studied, I have to admit it's pull. It has to have some kind of effect to get me to sit and speak at length about it. I'm supposed to end this with talking about why I'd leave Montana. For me, I left because of my job at the time. For someone else, I don't know. I'd have to let them speak for themselves. Pretty sure it was September like 6th that I got there. It was like the very first week of September I arrived in Montana and it's already getting cold. <laughs> September 6th, 2011. I remember that. <clears throat> That's when I got to good old Montana. Great, great falls. This middle middle of the state because <laughs> uh, i got i got oh, yeah. there i got there uh the a couple days before thanksgiving and i i distinctly remember my my thanksgiving dinner was uh like freaking jalapeno kettle chips and uh <laughs> like an easy mac like little mac and cheese cup because nothing else was open like all I had was my all I had was my warm weather gear from uh from freaking tech school because I'd been in Texas for the past six months, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't have anything warm to wear except for like my street clothes, which were just like jeans and t-shirts. Because once again, I've been in Texas for like six months, you know. And I should have bought I should have bought clothes when I was at home, but like no one told me to because I couldn't get in touch with my sponsor while I was there, like while I was at home on leave. 
and everybody else was telling me like oh yeah when you get there man it'll still be warm it'll still be like you know it's not gonna start snowing until like or at least like december and stuff like that i didn't realize what they meant by warm was like above 25 degrees <laughs> i guess i guess it's warm for most people because like i got i got off the plane man and i we me it was me and my boy pal and we got off the plane and this dude straight up like slipped on the ice getting off the tarmac it was my first time ever getting on a getting off a plane that like lands like directly on the tarmac like not having a jetway you know and we stepped onto the onto the ground and like it was just slippery i was like why is the ground frozen why is this i was like and then like then you know you give it a minute and then a minute goes by and you're like oh it's actually cold like oh god <laughs> like it is this is no joke they weren't lying it's, it's real cold around here man Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then I stood there like a doofus for like an hour and a half waiting for my, my sponsor to come pick me up from the airport. And it was the first time I'd ever been in an airport that closes. They were like, hey, you were closed. <laughs> you got to stand it. You got to wait in the waiting area, either like outside or in this little like basically like a shack kind of looking thing. <laughs> and then my sponsor rolls up with a. Uh, with like some random girl in the car from uh, from like the loading zone or something like that that he had picked up to pick me up, and drives me in, tells me he doesn't have a dorm for me, and then throws some like bedding at me and then makes me wait in the car for like forty five minutes, and then he's like, yeah, he's like, you're gonna be in the communications dorms. He's like, they're they're about to be torn down, so you might not have heat. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm like, dude. This is this is the worst this is the worst like introduction to like your first duty station or like your first couple months of military service that you could possibly have. Sounds all Montana, yep. Yeah, and it like it sucks. It's like it's weird that it like universally sucks for everybody. Like I don't think anyone showed up and had like a positive experience in their first like, you know, when they arrived. Because the the dude that you remember Wong? Wong. Sounds familiar. Yeah, the the he was he was on my squad. So like it was like him and he arrived with like three other airmen that ended up going to um uh to another squadron and right. no one picked him up at the airport. He had to take a taxi. He just like showed up and was standing at the airport for like a, for like a while like after he landed and he was like who's supposed to come get me and like no one answered the phone. So he just he just hopped in a taxi and was like, "Hey, take me to the base." <laughs> He's like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know who I'm supposed to talk to. I don't know, like, I don't, I don't even know if I can get on base. <laughs> like, you know, I just can. I'm just, I'm just here, man. Like, I'm just out here. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What? So, like, in 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 the town in the town of Great Falls, like, what are what are like the what are like the hot things to do? <laughs> like sell, sell, sell me, sell me Great Falls. Like what are the, what are the when when we go there? What are the things we got to do and see? <laughs> Especially, Dang, let, me, let me tell you. <laughs> so we got a movie theater, right? Yeah, so movie theater. You know, you can see all the movies that come out. You can go see them over there. And then uh, next to the movie theaters where we keep like our really nice restaurants, you know. Most yeah. of them don't stay here very long. So you got to get them out of there. But uh, 
yeah, those are our nice restaurants over there. Um, <laughs> up on this hill, you know, way up there near the airport, we got this nice Denny's. So yeah, it's, it, it's one of the only things in this town that's open uh, 24-7. Uh, or, or, at least, or at least more than 12 hours in general. Yeah, <laughs> we got a nice Taco Bell for you, uh, if that's your thing. Walmart, you gotta love it. We got a we got a really big Walmart. You get everything you need. You, got, you need food. You got it. Clothes. Yeah, you know. Also uh, open twenty four hours. Also open twenty four hours, and you can get some good entertainment there. Um, we've got a uh, a gas plant. You know, that's right in the middle of the town. That's. <laughs> Right next to the Walmart. Right to pause. I think we need to actually provide some context for that because it's like the the oil plant is literally in the middle of the city. Like I don't, we, like, I don't like I don't mean it as as like you know you can like see it from like a man. Like I mean like it's next to like a dude's house. You know. Yeah. But like it's like it's right there. It's across the street from the Walmart, and like there's like a diner off to the right, kinda. And then, like, I know the fairgrounds are, like, up the street by the other Taco Bell. But this, the, the, oil, the oil plant, the foundry, is literally on just, like, next to, like, an elementary school. Like, it's just there. You know? In, like, you <laughs> across the bridge, and you're like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. All right, welcome to, welcome to Black Eagle, man. Make, make sure you make sure you check out the steakhouse. It's never open, but they got steak. <laughs> or so you would be led to believe. <laughs> so you would be led to believe. I think the one thing that people never believe when I when I tell them about like just kind of like living in Great Falls, not just like living there, but just like visiting, being there, like living as a person, is that right. uh, the the anomaly. It's almost like you're at the center of the universe when you when you see the anomaly that is like a bar, a strip club, and a bar that occupy the same building <laughs> and are all connected by a hallway. <laughs> because, I mean, like, we can talk about, like, the bars and clubs of which there are, like, there are a couple, some of which are way grimier than normal. Um, yeah. But when we talk about the the loading zone, the playground, and the the, the third one is the Buffalo or whatever... The Buffalo, Buffalo Lounge? Is that what it was? Yeah. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's... that's It's like a biker bar, a, a strip club that's basically a closet, and another bar. That is country and western themed, but all of the DJs play, like, Wiz Khalifa and, like, hard, like, a high bass rap the entire night. It's just... It's like every night is like hip hop night, you know, in this in this town that is predominantly like, you know, horse ranchers and people who work in oil fields. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's that um, <clears throat> radio hip hop. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's like like out here, like if you if you could listen to like, you know, a top 40 rap station the words like 15 drake songs and then like one rick ross and like stuff like that it's basically that they're basically playing like a non-stop like top 40 playlist yep you know but i mean like other than that i mean to provide context to like some of the other listeners uh the the base that's there is called malmstrom air force base 
I don't want to get too deep into it, but like the work atmosphere is quite unique. It's um, it's uh, <laughs> the, the so in reality, military bases are supposed to be kind of like a little town. They're they're supposed to function like a like a small city. Like you've got a school, you've got uh, a grocery store. There's a you know medical clinic on base and stuff like that. Like everything that you need is, is supposed to be on base. But there's something about uh, Malmstrom to where they decided that none of that is what they wanted. Like I feel like they all came together and said that there shall be no activities on this base. Um. You guys get a library, and you get a Burger King. And a nice gym. You get that. We'll give you that. <laughs> and you get and you get a nice gym. You get a very large, very nice gym. <laughs> like the be- the best thing about best thing about that base, the gym before they built before they built the new BX when they when they built the new because yeah. there was a Popeyes, uh, only one in the state by the way. <laughs> Everybody was going crazy for. Oh man, line lines out the door for like yeah. for like two for like two straight weeks. Like people had never had chicken before. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like when I got to when I got to North Dakota years later and people were telling me about Chipotle. Like like I had never like I had never heard about it before. And they were like, Hey man, like have you been to Chipotle yet? And I'm like, No, nah. I was like well, I mean like I've been to Chipotle and they're like, Oh yeah, like you know, you wanna go? And I'm like Sure, and they're like, okay, cool, man. We gotta go get gas in the car. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, oh, the Chipotle is in Fargo. <laughs> it's now it's an hour away. And I was like, the Chipotle? They're like, yeah, the Chipotle, the only one. <laughs> it's the only one we got. <laughs> you gotta you gotta kind of plan your day ahead of time. And that's how the Popeyes was. And Great Falls is like people were like hopping the gate trying to go to Popeyes on base, <laughs> like for for little to no reason. Other than they, they just wanted like fried chicken from a massive chicken chain. Yeah, honestly, could have made a little, uh, a little business out of that if you wanted to. Oh, dude! If you imagine if like Postmates or something existed back then, or like, or like if you had like a food delivery service or something, and like you, you were like already on base and you didn't have to like get vetted or anything like that. You're just like delivering like Subway and like Popeyes to people off base. Oh man. I wonder if that's racketeering. Do you think that you'd like get arrested? Like would OSI like investigate that? Now that I think about it, they just might because you are taking I don't know. Because yeah, it doesn't maybe because you would be the only one who could provide access to that source. But it's Popeyes though. <laughs> <laughs> but... It's not it's not like we're buying and selling uniforms off base, like it's it's Popeyes. <laughs> it's it's fried chicken and biscuits like we're not <laughs> like there's dudes running up to canada buying like oxycotton off the shelf and like selling it in great falls and like i can could hardly imagine like law enforcement getting involved for you like slinging chicken out, outside <laughs> slinging chicken outside the nursing school <laughs> we've got the guy surrounded the one who's been taking all the popeyes off base and bringing it to people <laughs> he's just he orders fifty pieces every day, and then he just sits outside the sits outside the cafe Rio. <laughs> he sells thighs for five bucks each. 
My man just just stay flipping chicken. <laughs> now that I think about it, there was no other chicken spots in the in the town. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, like, which is okay. odd. Which is odd because our the town had a freaking uh, Japanese spot, like a like a Benihana's type thing, but it didn't have like a chicken spot. Two Taco Bells, yep. at a Hardee's, mm-hmm. at a Denny's. Yep. Uh, Cafe Rio, a couple yeah, couple yeah. Starbucks, and then you had like a couple mom and pop places, like little diners and stuff. Yeah, nobody yeah. nobody made chicken. I don't know. Well, they didn't. They didn't want it. <laughs> I can make my own chicken. Okay. Yeah. In in my <clears throat> in my little like memories thing, I uh, I was thinking that like uh, living in Great Falls was like it's it's still currently the most like unique experience of my life. Like like speaking as someone who's like traveled to like the Near East and Europe. And stuff, and like done some pretty interesting things. Um, I still think that like Great Falls, like if we talk about like your formative years, you know, like when you became what you are, like, like the the year and a half, because I was only there for a year and a half, even though like sometimes it sounds like I was there for way longer. Like I was only there for like eighteen months, and um, we'll make it sound like you know that that's that like it changed me you know like it's kind of like an alchemist of a place like if you've never been to a place like that before because like for the most part like great falls is like it's extremely isolated like it's it's two hours from either of the major cities that are nearby even though it itself is considered to be a major it's a major city like the population is over about fifty thousand people um you know, like it's an hour away from the state capital. It's two hours away from Missoula. It's two. It's two and a half to three from you know Billings and farther from Bozeman, I think. Um, but like for the most part, like when you're in Great Falls, you're just kind of there. Like there's nothing around. And that was my first time I'd ever been to a place that were like, when like that city is like kind of its own separate entity. You know. Like, it doesn't have, like, distinct neighborhoods or anything like that. It's just, like, Great Falls is Great Falls. And then once you go to the edge of town, it's just open lands until you're at the next town. <laughs> like, like out there. Yeah, it's it. it but it, Great Falls does change you. It definitely does change you. Because it's, it's just so, like you said, it's just so isolated. You just... You do feel alone. You be like, man, <laughs> where am I? Like, it's just so. Well, I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to describe to people who've never like been. Like the entire reason I'm trying to do the show is like I'm trying to provide context to people who like, you know, haven't been to these places. It's it's kind of like how do you how do you describe a place like that to someone who like grew up in like Chicago or like you know Miami or something and like has never left it's kind of difficult to do because they'll be like well what are the people like and it's like well all the girls are nurses and um you know all the dudes work in oil like that's that's kind of that's kind of it like it's there's no there's nothing there i mean there's a prison there's an airport and there's a denny's and a big truck stop yeah you know like like you said, for whatever reason, this university in Great Falls just produces nurses. <laughs> it's it's got to be the world's biggest nursing program. I, I refuse to believe that it's not. Everybody's a nurse. 
everybody. Like, even people who aren't nurses are nurses. Like, you talk to, like, people who work at, like, you know, Victoria's Secret or something, and, like, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm studying nursing. <laughs> it's like, dude. Why? Just... <laughs> Holy crap. Like, like, everyone's a nurse, man. You know? Why? Did anybody that we know, is anybody that we know still there? Uh, you mean like that's that was in the military? Yeah. I think Glenn. I think Glenn is still there. Mm. Glenn wasn't trying to leave. That's true. Once he got once he found his lady, he wasn't really trying to go anywhere. Um <clears throat> Brunt's gone Brunt is out. He's back in North Carolina. Sean Glenn is still there. Uh everybody that I knew, except like maybe two or three people, are got out or is no longer there. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean like I <clears throat> I think about like the you know, like how time passed by. I uh pretty much everybody that I was there with and like, you know, if we could divide us up into classes. Right. Um no one's still in. <laughs> like, like everybody, everybody got out. You know, because like I was one of only like maybe like two, like three or four people that I knew of that actually like you know got sent to another base, and um, everybody else that I get that I got out of tech school with like separated, having never left. You know, either Malmstrom or or Minot or wherever they that they were at. But I know, but like I know that like even when I was when I was at Malmstrom. I think the last dude that was there, I can't remember his name, but he graduated from tech school with me and um, he extended to like stay for like a year for like inexplicable reasons. <laughs> like we were all wondering, we're like, why? Like you hate this place so much. Like, why are you extending? And he's like, man, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> like He's like, you know, and then like you, then you like, you do some digging and it's like, oh, he's probably, he probably doesn't have a job lined up at home, back home. Like getting out is hard, you know? Especially if like you've been doing this for six years, like it's it's really all you know, you know. And it took me a while to like think about it like that because it's like getting out of the hood, man. Like you leave mountains from you, you're just like, you're just like I can breathe. I'm, I'm going someplace else. Like I'm first day out, I ain't never going back. I'm out of prison. <laughs> like, yeah. You know. What I'm gonna do now, though? You just standing. You just standing yep. outside the bag. Trying to think. Standing outside the main gate, like they just released you, like ask if you want a taxi. <laughs> hey, I'm in somebody coming to pick you up. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't even know where I'm supposed to be going. <laughs> How'd you know I was airman? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> well, like you got to see. So, like the thing about like your job though is that you guys can only go to certain places. Yep. Right. So, like. You, if you if you end up in your particular career field, the one you were in, it, there's a high likelihood that that's probably the base you're going to end up at. Or if your career is long enough, you're going to end up there eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then like for us, it's the it's it's the exact opposite to where it's just like, well, there's 200 and something installations that you can be stationed at. <laughs> so there's a there's a low likelihood of you ending up at Malmstrom. <laughs> So if you get there, <laughs> so if you end up stationed at Malmstrom or anywhere in the northern tier, um, it's your fault. <laughs> like you did something. <laughs> we don't we don't know what God you failed to please, 
but you need to make more sacrifices or something because you got stationed there. And I mean, like, I, you know, I, we, we dog on that entire system a lot, but like, you know, some people love it and, and a lot of people hate it. And I'm just being honest for honesty's sake. And then like some people are broken by it to where, you know, they learn to love it, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to make that. Yeah. Sound, I don't want to make that sound like way more ominous than it actually is to where like you're running into dudes that just can't get enough, you know, like they just, they never want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I knew one dude like that. <clears throat> he was like, "Yeah, man, I just, I just uh, I hate it here so much." He's like, "Man, it's crazy. I know how you feel." It's like, "So, you, so I'm, so I'm like, are you putting in for orders?" He's like, "Nah, man, I've been here for ten years. I'm, I'm just gonna finish it out here." It's like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> you just said you hate it here. Why aren't you trying to get orders?" He's like, "Nah, I'm just, I mean, I just, I might as well stay." What? <laughs> You've been here for 10 years. You got another 10 years to go. Try to get orders. Nah, man, I'm going to stay. <laughs> why? I'm, I'm more curious as to why you're trying to leave. Yeah, why, they're, 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 you're too weird. Why are you trying to leave? Why do you, huh? want, why do you want to go someplace else, man? Why don't you like Montana? You telling me you got dreams of going other places? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I mean, like, the entire reason you're there in the first place is because you're an extremely reliable person. Or so they tell you. Yeah. You know, so, like, like as I've tried to explain to friends before who, like, kind of just do not understand um, to where they're just like, you know, like, how do you get picked to do a job like that up in, up in places like that? And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, you got to be, like, a reliable person. Like, you know, good credit, no, no history of, like, alcohol abuse, which is ironic. <laughs> considering that that basis that basis culture uh you know like no history of drug use and then they pick us at like not at random but they separate us into like kind of like piles and i remember uh you know my story of getting in man i i, I was in tech school and i had like two weeks before you before you're supposed to graduate is when you start getting your orders and stuff like that and uh our class size was about like 110 you know so like big right. like huge class and uh like to end it they they call you into like a into like a hallway so like everyone's getting orders and like you're seeing people like oh i'm going to hawaii or like i'm going to you know some people go to like guam and you get like we had like one random kid ended up going to like the netherlands and then like other people go to like bases that are stateside charleston tinker air force base in oklahoma and like you know one guy went to dias in texas and um so like we're sitting there, we're like, all right, twenty people got orders. And we're like, what about the what about the remaining ninety of us? Like we're <laughs> we're all so we're all like sitting around like, all right, I haven't gotten orders yet. Like what's what's going on here? Like, you know, we're we're getting real close to graduation. I really don't want to be hauled over, man, because being a holdover is, is the worst thing that can happen. It's worse than death. <laughs> you know? And uh so like they start calling us into that hallway, you know, and um I get you know, I get to, they call my name, they're like, you know, I, I you know go to go to the hallway report to uh report to the captain, and I'm like okay so I go and I'm standing in line and there's like at least like fifty sixty other airmen in front of me, you know some of them I've never even seen so like they must have been from like other teams you know, and we're getting called in like one by one, and then like you know you get called in you go in and you meet with this this like captain. Who's like, you know, like, hey, man, you know, you've been selected for, uh, you know, the reliability program. Like, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, sir, I don't even know what that is. 
<laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, you know, you get to go work on, you know, you get to go guard the America's most precious assets, you know, and stuff like that. And it's, it's real cool. You'll get some cool training and, uh, you know, you're going to be a little bit above the rest and like, you know, you'll end up going to another base in the future where you can bring all your skills and stuff to them. And, you know, basically like, like a recruiter inside of like, you're like, you're already in and he's, he's still trying to like sell you this job. Which I found like extremely odd. So where you're just like, why? Are you, like, if I was supposed to go here, why didn't you just send me? Like, why do I have to go through this like briefing? You know, like, why, like, why is that required? Like, I've been doing that since since I got in. I've just been going to where I've been told. So like, why why am I getting this? You know, this kind of talking to? And then like he like he and then they like outline it. And they're like, yeah, man, like you know, you're gonna. He's like, you know, we call them like the northern tier bases. They're gonna be cold, and but like you know, it's rewarding. You know, so you're going to end up at Malmstrom, Minot, or Effie Warren. And I'm like, okay. I was like, can I not go? <laughs> and he was like, no. He's like, you don't want that, man. He's like, he's like, these are opportunities you want. Like, you want to go. <laughs> I'm like, okay. You're not making it seem that way. <laughs> I'm like, the fact that you're, like, trying to sell this to me as, like, an opportunity that I really want probably means I don't want it. <laughs> like... Like you're like you're it's like it's like someone's trying to like sell like sell you like getting stabbed, you know? Like they'd be like, All right, man, like you're here to, you're here to get stabbed in the chest and you're like, I don't wanna do that. They're like, Okay, but let me tell you, like, after you get stabbed in the chest, you're gonna feel so like it's gonna hurt, but you're gonna be like, Oh man, I got stabbed in the chest and I'm glad I got stabbed in the chest because <laughs> now I know what it's like to have been stabbed and that makes me a stronger person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how are you, how are you selling that to me? Like, how is that? The adversity you need in life. It's yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you know what, Airman? You look like a person who's never felt physical and mental pain before. So we're gonna send you to this place where it's pretty much nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question, Airman. You ever been stressed? Like, well, yeah, I've been stressed, but no, you haven't. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not you far. haven't. You're about, to, you're about to learn today. Yeah. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> but that's that's how it goes, man. It's like you end up going, you know, you get your orders and stuff like that, and then people try to do everything they can to get disqualified. You hear them like going into the room, like, "Oh man, I, I smoke weed nonstop. I I can't stop popping pills." Like, I, <laughs> you know, they're like, "All right, you're disqualified," you know, and they end up going to like Virginia or something like that, and then you being honest end up going for real. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, you can't get fired. I remember the day I got my orders because I was so mad because because at, at basic training they pull you into this room where it's you and your flight and they let you choose your um choose your bases. So my recruiter told me if you want to go overseas, just put overseas bases. So I was like, great, I got my plan. So I get in that room and I put all the overseas bases I could possibly go to. I go up there to turn my paper in put it on the desk. He looks at me weird. I'm like, what's wrong? Well, he's like, you have to put stateside bases. I was like, but I don't want to go anywhere stateside. He was like, you have to. So I go back and I start ranking my stateside base. Montana was dead last. <laughs> it was dead last. <laughs> and so I, and so fast forward to tech school. I get my orders. They all were all lined up in formation at the end of the day, and they just give us our, our orders. And so they give me my orders, and I'm reading it, and I see Great Falls, Montana. I was like, that was my last choice. 
And so I go to my I go to my my tech school instructors. And I'm like, yo, is there any way, any way possible, I could like trade with somebody, or like not go to Montana? They were like, unfortunately, nah, man. Those are just your orders. So I'm like, oh my god. So the next day we all come back in and they're like, hey Isaac, weren't you trying to trade your orders? I was like, yeah, but you told me I couldn't. They're like, well, there's a girl who got orders. Said. The Netherlands, but she doesn't want to go. No, Italy, excuse me, but she doesn't want to go. I was like, where's she at? <laughs> so I go trying to find her. And she would she had been looking for me because somebody, she was from Great Falls. So somebody was like, hey, this kid has Great Falls. Why don't you go find him and trade with him? Needless to say, when I find her, she already traded for some, traded with somebody else who was also going to go to um, Great Falls. Ah. ah, but I missed my opportunity. I could have been in Italy as my first base, but I got Great Falls. Well, I mean, you know, if I gotta if I gotta tow the company line here, you know, you gotta say that it made you a stronger person, you know. <laughs> You're, you're better. You're, you know, the, the only reason you went, you ended up going to Great Falls is because you're better. That's, that's why you went there. You don't want to go to Italy. Nobody, nobody really wants to go to Italy. You know, you want to go, you want to go to some place where the real work gets done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's just interesting that we end up in all these places. Like you talk to like other vets and stuff and like, you know, sometimes they'll they'll you know they'll talk about like their their bases are terrible and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I ended up in Kansas or I'm in Arkansas, man. I'm just like, oh, those places aren't that bad. I'm like, at least you have nearby major cities stuff to do. Like, you know, the base the base is probably older, so like it's got you know amenities and like stuff on stuff on on it. And but like ours, man, like it always seemed like it was built from like antimatter. Like the burger <laughs> the Burger King closed at five, the Burger King closed at six. Yep. Like. <laughs> You're just like, man, like, what are y'all trying to do to us? <laughs> the chow hall even had weird hours. Yeah, I never got to eat at it. Breakfast but... <laughs> was like, from like 8 a.m. to like 10 a.m. I was like, what? Why? <laughs> what type of breakfast hours are these? <laughs> And your shift starts at six. <laughs> huh? And so then lunch started at like 12 and went to one. I was like, why is there a one hour lunch gap? Right. And then like dinner is from like, like freaking four to six and you get off at six. <laughs> what? Whose idea was this? I mean, you know, some, some, uh, some general. Some one star. <laughs> nah, I probably wasn't a one star. It's probably like a captain or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or a bird. Yeah. Yeah. Base commander. So somebody somebody from like budgeting and sustainment. Who was like, We can we can save we can save eight dollars and thirty five more cents if we change the hours of the of the chow hall from from ten to eleven to eight to ten. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We're not even gonna review it. We're just gonna just just put that in play. Just put it in play. And, uh, they don't need to go to the debate. They can just go to the commissary. <laughs> that closes at five. They'll be all right. Right. <laughs> I mean, all of our food came from the came from the BX man, just from the class six. 
like having that like one hour before work at like four o'clock just driving over there and like seeing all your buddies and like walking out with just bags of food <laughs> you got nothing else to do that has to be the most well-stocked uh like mini mart on the planet it has to be never it never ran out of chips <laughs> like for all for all those guys going to work and stuff who can't who aren't who are like shift workers who are just buying like pounds of food because they're about to work a 12 or 14 hour shift or whatever and like chips. go out into the field chips jerky the little like Taquito. quick taquitos the quick sandwiches uh <laughs> like microwavable red soup red bulls <laughs> you know get yourself get yourself like two foot long subway sandwiches <laughs> A, ga- a gallon jug of water. <laughs> Just walk out fully stocked. Oh, is this for a couple days? No. Nah, this is just for tonight. <laughs> this is just for my shift, man. I'm overnighting, so, you know. You want me on this? Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. I mean, some of it's to share, man. You know you know how it is. You got to feed the other people. Some people are going to forget. No. Get yourself three sandwiches, <laughs> like a family size bag of Lay's. Like <laughs> people be dropping, people be dropping like fifty bucks, <laughs> like like daily. Just for one night, and really eat the whole thing too. Yep. Working a working a foreign working a foreign three or four and two schedule. I can't even remember what schedule I was in when the new BX was made. So, so going going back in, you remember the mall? Yeah. <laughs> so the mall, I think, because like I, I mentioned this earlier on on the show, and that the mall is uh, it was one of the first times I had come across like a dead mall. So like we're talking like you know America circa twenty eleven, you know. So like dead malls are a particular rarity if you're from like you know los angeles or something like that where like all the malls are still open um so like i had heard stories on like you know vice or whatever about like you know like dead malls in america like you know whole companies going under overnight like you know if the sears sears files for bankruptcy and it goes they lose anchor and then the whole mall closes like when i got to great falls that was the first time i'd ever seen one like that to where like the mall is you know, thousands of square feet, but it's just like a Zoomies and a Victoria's <laughs> Secret. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like everything, knows. everything, else, and Wetzel's, yeah, and then like, and then I guess Shields, you know, like the outdoor store and stuff, which is another great place to hang out on your days off. By the way, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about. <laughs> no, you can't forget about Shields, man. You can buy all your, you can buy your clothes and guns in the same place. You can't beat that. But like that was my first time I had ever come across that as like a cultural staple, which is why like I, I talk about like Great Falls, like kind of changed my perspective on like not just like people, but like like America in general, and like doing, um, like just like the way I live, you know, to where like you you go to places where people aren't like privileged at all and don't have, like an economy that can support that type of like activity and stuff like that, and like that kind of means more than what you're seeing. Like a like a mall that's dead means a lot more than like you know oh, the malls just didn't do well. Like, it typically means way more than that. You know? Or it just did not... No, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, even when you go to places like Butte, you know, where, like, 
buildings that burned down in the seventies are like still burnt down. Yeah. You know, nah. we're, we're just like never rebuilt. <laughs> and then you go to Missoula. <laughs> This gym, this weird gym. <laughs> I think Missoula is almost just as hard to explain as Great Falls is. Uh, I mean, you can try. Give you, you know, we'll have like a ten dollar prize for people who can't explain it. Because it literally comes out. Of, it's it's it literally shouldn't be there. But it is. Mm-hmm. Well, they have to put the college somewhere. You would think that the Great Falls would be the college. I mean, you got a base, which is a source of income that won't fade more than likely. So put your put your D1 college here, you know? Yeah, oh. it's the biggest truck stop in the state. I mean, put, put, your, put your D1 college here. But no, that, that D1 college went... <laughs> I mean, the thing that I that, I, that like I <clears throat> that I like the most about Great Falls is that like it's trying. It's like you know you go to the what is that like the west end of town where like the old navy is, the theater, the on the borders, like kind of like the you know the quote unquote nicer stuff, right? Um, and like that's the, you know they're they're trying. Like those companies decided to open a store there. They create jobs. People go to work. People you know take care of their families and stuff. You go across the river and like people are trying to open restaurants and. Um, you know, like things like happen there. It's just like, it just, it just feels way more depressed, you know, especially when there's, when there's snow on the ground, like nine months out of the year, it's not nine, but like, it feels like it's like nine months of just straight cold, you know, roughly from like the end of September all the way to like May, you're just cold. Yep. So everything sucks. (laughs) So like... You might have a different opinion of the snow because you didn't have to like work in it all day. <laughs> but like for me in particular, like I can't stand snow anymore. Like absolutely <laughs> hate it. Like when you walk when you walk a couple miles in the snow every single day, <laughs> like it changes your perspective on on like how great the snow is. Like people, to this day, people are like, "Hey man, you want to go snowboarding?" I'm like, man, it, hell no, <laughs> no, no, I don't want to go snowboarding. That was the only thing you could do when it got cold. Snowboard. Yeah, well, I mean, you could take your life in your hands and try to drive to Missoula. That too, which we... <laughs> <laughs> which uh, did almost mean we took our lives in our hands. <laughs> it's, a, it's, only a, it's only a two-hour drive, but it's a, it's, you feel every minute <laughs> on the ground when the ground is icy. We did literally almost, almost die. <laughs> yeah, good times, good times. Ma- made you strong, made you stronger. You know, if you had gone yeah. to, if you had gone to Italy or something, you would have never had that experience. You know, I'd be a weakling. Yeah, we got we we, we beat the weak out of you. <laughs> I'd be crying at every at every turn. Yeah, you don't want yeah. you don't want to go to the Netherlands. Netherlands is easy. If you wanted an easy life, you should have you should have just become a librarian or something. You know. This is only for the rough and tough. Would you consider your job uh, like difficult technically? Like, is it a lot to learn and a lot of stuff, or is it the stuff that goes around it that made that makes it like 
you know, I guess like the the first question first, like like would you consider your job hard? You know, to someone who's like on the outside looking in, because I know I know uh, what you I know what you did, not from like an actual like hands on perspective, but like I I know what you guys do, but um, you know, would you consider it hard? I would say it depends on the person, and what I mean by that is I've I've seen a lot of different people come in there and excel, and then I've seen different people come in there and like really struggle with it. Like this one guy who came in. And like he was like one of the best artists I've ever seen. This man could draw, paint his butt off, but he was just so artistically gifted and minded that mechanical, like mechanics, didn't come to him well. Mm. So like he really struggled trying to get the concepts and just, you know trying to understand how to maneuver and do different things. Um, another guy was a, he went to college for an astrophysics degree and was one credit shy of finishing. He just ran out, he just got in so much debt that he had to stop. He struggled (laughs) because I think he was just so smart (laughs) that the job seemed too simple so he wasn't grasping like simple concepts. <laughs> so it, it just, to me, was it hard? It was like in the middle. Some things were kind of difficult to to grasp simply because of the length of it. So it wasn't a difficult task, but the, just the length of the task made it difficult because there were so many tedious steps. You had to do this, and you had to do that, and you had to make sure of this, and you had to check that, and then you had to wait a certain amount of time while it's doing that, and while that, you had to go over here, and so it became so tedious that it made it difficult. But yeah, I and, guess that's and, and then there's there's the occupation, and then there's kind of like the meta, like the 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 world around the occupation, you know, because like we used to always say, like you know, in the military, like you can never do just like just your job. You know, like if it was if it, if I could just show up, clock in, do the thing that they asked me to do and then clock out and go home, like it would it would be a good place to go. But there's like there's this meta world around it, like a like a shell of like things that you're not responsible for, but you have to do them. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, like my job is to like repair planes. Right. So, uh, you know, my I, I'm going to show up. I'm gonna, I have three things to do. We got to fix the fuel system. We got to do some avionics work and we have to like, you know, put a new tail on like whatever they do. I don't know what they do. And for any right. aircraft maintenance people, I'm sorry if I'm <laughs> misrepresenting your job entirely. But, um, you know, like if, I, if, that, if those are the three things I have to do. So like on paper, those things are simple. And for people who are proficient at their job, they're easy to do. You know exactly like what task order to follow, like what buttons to press and all that stuff. But then there's like, we have a staff visit today. <laughs> you know, we're like, you know, oh, last week, uh, Alpha Team forgot to put a trash can in this specific corner. So we're going to have to do a deep clean of the whole building um, in addition to your daily duties. Or someone didn't fill a Humvee. Uh, someone didn't fill a Humvee up with gas all the way. So you're going to have to cycle out all the vehicles by yourself and <laughs> fill them all up with gas one by one, I guess, to prove a point. <laughs> or like, you know, there's a there's a bake sale on base today. 
so we got to be extra quiet at work. <laughs> I was like, we got to find a way to do this without talking to each other. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's always these like extra things that go in that go into like military work in general. You know, and um, that's what I was wondering is like, you know, like is it that stuff that makes it difficult, or is it the actual job itself? Because on paper, it never sounds hard. Yeah. I mean, both both of those things make it difficult, too, because, of course, like you said, you have a visit and everybody's freaking out. Oh, my God. What, what are we going to do? <laughs> There's a colonel coming. <laughs> Clean. <laughs> that we don't do work here. It's like, he picked it's like, he picked the busiest day of the week to show up. <laughs> His stat, the visit's going to be an hour. We only have an hour and 45 minutes to get this thing done. <laughs> like, this is the day he didn't nobody told him anything <laughs> yep there's a pre-visit so like one of his staff members has to come and like see if everything's ordered but like he doesn't like that we're working it's like nah you guys need to be in formation like right now like but he's not coming for 45 minutes like nah you need to be in formation like right now you need to be waiting so every, everyone just stop working just stop what you're doing and come come fall in And then, and then with the nature of my work, you know, when they came in there, <clears throat> you had to to set people aside to like babysit uh, the, you know, the general, the captain, whoever it was, you had to set people aside to, to get them so that they could be babysat and so that, you know, they weren't doing anything crazy. <clears throat> so those are people that you could be using to work. We have to now look look out for this general and his little entourage of people who want to take a look at what you're doing. And then you have to cover certain things up because they can't see things. And it's just like, why are you making my day hard? Why? I mean, why are you making my day hard? personally, I love staff visits. I think after a while, my flight chiefs and stuff learned that whenever there is a staff visit, they should stay as far away from me as possible. <laughs> because like we've talked, we've talked about this before, where I was like the most rebellious but like proficient airman, like. Like pro- probably on the flight at the time that I was there to where like, you know, they don't pay me to lie. So if some random one star asks me how I'm doing, like, I'm, I'm going to tell them like, like, what are you going to do? Fire me? Like, like, how do you, how do you, how do you like the base, son? Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> oh, why is it? Why is it terrible? I'm like, well, I could, I could list the things, but like, you know, I don't want to call anybody out. Like, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. Some of the people like, that are responsible for why it sucks are standing right behind you. <laughs> I don't want their to go bye-bye. <laughs> well, how, how's your work schedule? Um, I'm on my ninth straight day. <laughs> I'm on my ninth straight 12-hour shift. Yeah, that whole, that whole four days on, two days off is a lie. I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> like, like, well, how, how are you feeling? I'm tired. Oh, you can't be tired. No, I'm tired. I'm deadly tired. I shouldn't have a firearm in my hand right now. Honestly, I'm I'm very sleepy. <laughs> like I don't know. I don't know how I'm functioning right now. I'm extremely sleepy. You can just see them getting. You can just see your leadership just just staring at you, trying to bore a hole into the side of your head. Like, shut up. No, I'm not. <laughs> no. There's 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 honestly no negative repercussions that can come from this. I'm either going to speak my mind and have to work tomorrow or I'm going to like tow the company line and have to work tomorrow. Like either, <laughs> either way, like nothing changes, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't, 
I don't necessarily hate this base, but I hate the job. <laughs> I, I can't really find any positives about it or reasons to say good things about it. I was the same way. They were like, Cam, you know, we, we got this general, what well, was a full bird of the base at the time, come to launch you, you know, talk to him, see how everything's going, all right, whatever. Cool. So uh, he gets there, he asks me a couple questions. He's like, you know, how do you feel about the base? Do you like it here? You know, what could be improved? I was like, well, I don't like it here. <laughs> I could just see the look on my uh, my senior's face. He was like, oh. <laughs> Yep, you chose the wrong guy, man. You chose the wrong guy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't like it here, actually. I've, I've really been trying to get orders away from here pretty much since I got here. <laughs> Full bird was just like, uh, oh, he, was, man. He, he was like, what do I, I was expecting an airman to just kind of tell me what I wanted to hear. I was like, no, like, it sucks here. The town sucks. There's nothing to do in the town. It's very, there's even less to do on base. I mean, we got a nice gym and a nice commissary, but outside of that, we don't have much else, man. So he was just like, uh, so how do you like your job? I don't like that either. Too much stress. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that either. I love, I love those little talks. I love the ones where they, where they ask you, like, A, do you like the base? B, are you trying to get orders? And C, do you like your job? And the answers are never what they want to hear. Because they're like, do you like the base? No. B, are you trying to get orders? Yes. And then their, their response is always like, why? Why don't you like it here? Why, <laughs> what, why, why don't you want to stay here? <laughs> and then like, Z, do you like your job? I'm like, well, I did. <laughs> like, and, then, and then I started working. <laughs> now, now I'm really starting to rethink my life decisions. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say my recruiter lied to me. Lied to me because my recruiter didn't know this existed. <laughs> so like, I was like, I told my recruiter where I was, and she was like, "What is that, <laughs> like, dude? Like, you, you sent me here. <laughs> this is your fault." And I would it. Yeah, man. I'm like, you. You were telling me that I was gonna end up in someplace crappy, but like, not this. <laughs> Yeah, but like those those are the best ones, man. They're like, why are you trying to leave? Where are you trying to go? I'm like, oh, you know, I'd like to go to Europe, and you know, I want to kind of like see the world and like do stuff that's more difficult. Like, why? Why do you want to go there? There's not there's nothing there but other cultures and peoples and languages and stuff. You don't want that. <laughs> you want to stay here. It's cold and snowy and This is where the mission is. You're special. <laughs> we need you here. The entire military needs you. Don't you understand? We depend on your service. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, no. You know, and then they and then they turn around and yell at people who've been there for too long. Like, how how long you been here? They're like, oh, I've been here for ten years. I'm like, why aren't you getting orders? Why are you? <laughs> You've been here for that long. Ah. You're never going to be able to promote. You're never going to promote. You've got two ribbons. <laughs> like, what are you doing? It's like, I can't even. I've been trying to get out of here. I just can't. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? Well, that's your fault. You're not trying hard enough. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> For all you people who have been told this base is a black hole and you can never go, that's not true. <laughs> all evidence to the contrary. Just staring at him. 
Just just um, because just because we've got like sixty percent of our workforce has been here for more than ten years doesn't mean that this space is a black hole. <laughs> Literally, the only reason I got out of there was because I spoke my mind and I told everybody how much I disliked it. So I think they got tired of hearing me and they were just all right. Let's just get him. I think that's the biggest factor. I think that like if they hate you enough, they'll want to get rid of you. I have orders and sure enough i went into my email and there was orders <laughs> i was like whoa yep i think i think they i think they look at that as like a punishment to where they're just like you know what you're not you're not uh what do they call it you're not matriculating well into this uh into this specialized system into this specialized program we're gonna send you to germany that'll show you <laughs> we're gonna how would you like to go to tokyo you terrible terrible airman like we're gonna send you someplace else that's what we're gonna do <laughs> where you'll be appreciated and life will be good and you'll be able to experience other things and <laughs> yeah is that, is that is that what you want a normal work schedule and a squadron that cares about you Pfft, get out of here <laughs> you to have fun real fun right <laughs> just like they're like, oh, Manning, we heard you got orders. Where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm going to Germany. They're like, oh, weakling. <laughs> you're going there because you suck. That's why you're going to Germany. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Can't handle the heat, huh? What? <laughs> my, buddy, my, buddy got, my buddy got orders to Italy around the same time that I got sent to, sent to Germany. And he was like, he was telling me the other day, man, he's like, uh, He's like, yeah, he's like, when I got my orders to Italy, I got, he's like, I basically got, like, blacklisted. Like, no one would talk to me. <laughs> like, no one would, like, like, people didn't want to hang out anymore. Like, <laughs> I was like, I, I got my orders and I didn't leave for, like, 12 months. And I had to tell, I had to tell him that it was kind of the same for me. People, people were definitely jealous of me. Cause I can't believe this guy got orders. I've been here for 10 years and haven't been able to get orders. How do you get orders? I was like, well, I've been telling everybody I hate it since I got here. You keep telling people you love it. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, that's part of the problem. They have no reason to move you. <laughs> do you act, if you act like you like it, man, they'll keep you there. I tell them all day, every day. I <laughs> and guess what? The longer you're at a place, the more valuable you become. <laughs> Every chance I get, what you, what you do with your weekend off? Cry. That's all I did. Sat in my room and I cried. Oh my god. I cried a lot. I uh, I directly tie my current mental state to my presence at this base. Um, I feel like if I was someplace else, I'd feel a lot better. I'd be more productive and I'd be a more positive person. However, I can't because I've had Taco Bell and Pizza Hut for dinner for the past uh, probably 60, 70 days now. And uh, Popeye's was closed yesterday, so that made me just want to jump off a bridge. <laughs> um, <laughs> just look at everybody's face and they're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> How can you say those things? Well, they don't pay me to lie, sir. <laughs> I'm just you asked. Don't ask, don't ask questions you don't want the answers to. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to know, honestly, right now I'm drunk. But <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh yeah, nonstop drinking. Yep, been, I've been drinking since uh, I got off work yesterday. Took a couple shots before I came in here today as well. So yeah. 
And when I get off, I'm going right back to drinking. <laughs> They're just like, what is going on? And I'm hoping that I get so drunk that you guys can't recall me. That's the entire point. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I get drunk quick enough. Kind of defeats the purpose of you guys being able to um, call me back in here, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Keep a, keep a 30 rack in my trunk at all times. Mm-hmm. Specifically for that reason. As soon as I get off work, cracking one open. For the boys. Actually, for the, not for the boys. For me. But, you know. It's, it's, for, it's for me. It's 100% for me. Only me. Me only. Oh, I'll never forget that day my entirety of supervision called me into the office. The, I go in there. The seniors in there. The chiefs in there. All the masters are in there. My uh, direct supervisor is in there. <laughs> They're like, listen, you can't say things like that when the colonel's around, okay? I was like, why? He asked me a question. <laughs> How I felt. You can't, you, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. The next time I get asked a question by a full bird, I'm just going to stare at him. And then I'm going to look at y'all. <laughs> and then I'm going to look back at him. And I'm going to just keep doing that until one of y'all tells me to stop. I'm not going to say anything. Because <laughs> I'm not going to lie to the man. And I'm not going to tell him the truth. So I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to be weird. Because <laughs> that's clearly what you want from me. <laughs> why, can't you, why can't you just tell him what, you, what he wants to hear? Because <laughs> the reason Fine. thing... The re- we all complain about how much this place sucks. And the reason it stays the way it is is because you guys keep telling these colonels that it's fine. that's why nothing changes and then you turn around and complain about the same stuff that I complain about you need to let them know right now right now this place sucks nah none of y'all will do it but I'm the bad guy (laughs) I'm the bad guy I'm the type of person who will get some change around here (laughs) I mean you'd hope But, you know, it's just not like that up there, man. Yeah. That's that, uh, that, that, that culture of, uh, you know, this is just the way we do things is, is real heavy up there. Well, I mean, if it's a technique that worked in 1967, we see no reason to change it now. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's 2011 or 12 or and still doing stuff that we were doing in the early 60s. It's, it's fine. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, just anticipating an invasion by the Soviet Union still. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. That's what we're training for. We're going to invade in the exact same way they were in the 60s. Yeah. 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 Same technology, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, yep. we're anticipating a war with uh, the Ottoman Empire and stuff, you know. Oh, God. What a place. <laughs> what a place, dude. What a, what a town. That's, that's almost like just just like dudes like saying it lightly. My Montana as a whole, I think is a black hole because we knew so many civilians there that were like, oh man, I gotta get out of here. I've got plans to get out of here. I'm saving up money to get out of here. I don't know one civilian from Montana that actually left. All of them are still there. Yep. Same. All- All of them. What happened to all that money you were saving? Oh, you know. 
I just ended up buying a house. That doesn't make logical sense. You can't <laughs> me the logical steps you took to saving money to leave that led you to buying a home. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm confused. Okay, Cam, if you're so smart, where would I go, huh? <laughs> the 49 other states? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. One guy I knew, I was like, bro, how much money did you end up saving? He was ex-Air Pets, ex-Air Force. I was like, dude, how much money did you end up saving up? He was like, well, I had about $35,000. I was like, what the hell? That's a, what? <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, $35,000, dude. He was like, yes. He's like, yeah. I was like, bro, where, like, what were your top destinations to go? He was like, well, uh, Colorado in particular, somewhere around Denver. Um, he's like, he was a, he's an outdoorsy guy. He's like, so Colorado, I wanted to go there. I wanted to go to New Mexico. Or I wanted to go to uh, Nevada. I was like, dude, you with with that much money, if you wanted to stay here for another year and make sure you found a job before you moved down there, like you would have been perfectly fine. But you bought a home. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> yep. Don't sound like you're leaving anytime soon. No, 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 man. I'm, I'm still, I'm still gonna go. I'm still gonna leave. I'm still leaving, dude. You just bought a house. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm, 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 I'm planning on, I'm leaving. I'm, le- I'm leaving though. I'm how, how expensive was the house? This is five hundred thousand dollar house. What? The- <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but like I'm I'm gonna leave. I, I swear, dude. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna leave. Yeah, but you just got married and had a kid. Yeah, but like I'm leaving though. I'm- <laughs> See, because my plan is in, in two years the house is gonna be worth more than five hundred thousand dollars. So then I'm gonna sell it, and then that extra money that I made off selling the house, I'm gonna use that to move. I was like, yeah, yeah but in another two years, like wife she's probably gonna have a job here and you're gonna have a job here and you know kids gonna be up here kids are gonna be in school making friends and y'all paying bills and a mortgage and stuff yeah that's how it is man i mean some places some places are a lot more insular as in like you know people don't leave well, I, I, I mean, if you like if you like where you live or whatever, then like you shouldn't try to leave. It's it's people like us that get there and start highlighting stuff and <laughs> start telling people, hey man, you know there's better opportunities elsewhere. They're like, what you mean? I'm like, well, let me tell you about this thing called school. You can go to college someplace else. No, I got to be a nurse. No, you don't have to be a nurse. You can be anything else. <laughs> nah, 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 no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> I could be any. Yeah. Let me ask what you're doing right now. Um, I'm just working at McDonald's. Okay, how long are you going to work there? Uh, <laughs> until <laughs> until they fire me, I guess. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. Well, you can go someplace else, man. You can go to Seattle. You can go to Idaho. You got Boy. North. You got, you got North Dakota over there, like mini Minnesota. You got all kinds of places. Opportunities are endless. But if you Gosh. like where if you like where you are and you like what you're doing, then you should stay. It's completely fine. Some people like Great Falls. Yeah. Cheyenne. I mean, you could go to Denver. It's right there. <laughs> yeah, Denver is right there. You go to Salt Lake. I mean, there's so many places you could go, man. Hmm. But I mean, I get it. 
Some people, some people don't want to leave. No, especially people out in like Missoula and like Billings and whatnot. You know, yeah, those are decent enough to make you want to say, "All right, I can tolerate it." Oh yeah, you can totally see yourself living in like Missoula. Nah, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could do it, man. I believe, I believe in you. I mean, maybe temporarily. Then you get to shop at Hollister all day. You don't have to. You don't have to drive an hour and a half to go to Best Buy. You got Outback Steakhouse. You're good. You get to go, dude. Yeah, a decent mall. It's got some stuff in it. Man, man, you're all you're all set. You can go tubing. Go tubing in the summer. Walk the river. Kick kick uh kick bears out of your backyard. You know, you're all set. You're good to go, man. this to become a bashathon on Montana for the rest of the show. Really, I don't. This is the first part of a series. In the future, I'll be talking about the great people of Montana I've met, all three of them, and all the redeeming qualities that come with it. Until then, and just for now, Northern Tier. <laughs>